Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at CAMH.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Use the offer code CanadaLand. Get 10% off. Squarespace, you should. Sachi Cole... Don't. Welcome back. No. You've already got that look in your eye, and I'm already upset. Sachi, we're going to talk about John Hondrick and Paul Godfrey. Uh We're going to talk about the James Forsillo decision, and we're going to talk about Steph Guthrie and Gregory Allen Elliott. Welcome back to Canada Land Shortcuts. Great. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Andy Corey, Chris Levette, Ken Brown, Peter Byrne, Rick Delishny, Stephanie Lahey, Trevor Paddock, Brent Lipson, and Ian Reeve. Ian, why did you decide to be awesome? Because media is changing really quickly, and on the one hand, you guys are a great set of eyes to keep an eye on how media outlets are evolving, but also providing a cool option that other media outlets might be interested in. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the place to go to get a website that looks professional, regardless of your skill level, no coding required. You just pick a cover page and you enter your information and it is intuitive. The tools are easy to use. You get a free domain if you sign up for a year. This is the call to action. This is what you need to listen to. You can start your free trial today. You can start building your website with no money down at squarespace.com. When you do decide 
to go live with your site and become a customer, use the offer code CanadaLand. You will get 10% off of your first purchase. These websites use state-of-the-art technology under the hood, security and stability. It will work on any device. It's responsive on tablets, on mobile. Squarespace.com, offer code CanadaLand. You should. And this episode is also brought to you by Giftogram. It is almost Valentine's Day, and if you want to buy someone a gift, but you don't want to go to a store and shop for it, just admit it, that is probably what you want. You should use Giftogram, download the app. You can now download it to your Android device in addition to your iPhone or other iOS device. And they've curated a bunch of gifts. You click on for her or for him. You pick your gift. You pick who you want to send it to from your list of contacts. You don't have to put in their address. They get an email telling them that you just bought them a gift and they say where they want it delivered to because maybe they want it delivered to their workplace and not to their home. And listen up, the offer is still in place. $20 when you use the code CanadaLand on Giftogram. That's just Giftogram giving you $20. If you send somebody this Marc Jacobs nail polish for $22, it will cost you $2. I was eyeing the Lomo camera. There's a box of premium booze from Dylan's. There's lots of good stuff. Giftogram, offer code CanadaLand. Go check it out. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They're not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible, heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction, and build hope. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Sachi, do you want to take a stab at summarizing the ongoing saga of Paul Godfrey of Post Media versus John Hondrick of Torstar? It's like watching Scrooge and Scrooge McDuck have a money fight <laughs> in that I don't really care who wins. So end of explainer, I feel. I guess so. <laughs> Godfrey, of course, is the CEO of Post Media, yeah. which is going down the toilet. And Hondrick is the chair of Torstar, Torstar having their own problems. Uh, who, who isn't having their own problems, yes. to be fair. In but Canadian what media. could illustrate 
one of the central problems more than these guys using their papers as soapboxes for this like geriatric cat fight. Does Post Media own the Metro? Torstar owns Metro. Oh, Torstar yes, owns Metro because Godfrey gave the interview to Metro, did he not? Yeah, so Godfrey gave this interview where he took swipes at, actually, at leg- legitimate swipes at Star Touch. Yeah. As uh, sooner or later, Torstar is going to learn that this is not the way, mm-hmm. which is maybe the only true thing he said in that interview. He also said a bunch of stuff about how we should be grateful that this U.S. hedge fund bailed out Post Media because otherwise it just would have gone down the drain. So Hondrick, whose family like owns Torstar, he responded, "Can I get you to do your best, John Hondrick, and just like read? This is like." Um, it's excerpted. I've, you cher- want me I've to cherry read picked. It? Yeah, you can read the title and and in your best John Hendrick voice. This is from today's editorial. Do you know what he sounds like? You, I don't imagine. Oh, okay. I'm not going to do a voice. I met him once. I'm an adult. Okay. But the title is Paul Godfrey. Get your facts straight. I could read this as like a really angry teen. There you go again, Paul, trifling with the truth about the newspaper industry. Really, Paul? Were there any Canadian bidders for Post Media? You bet. So where were you, Paul? In the same speech, Godfrey attacks the Star's tablet initiative, which is entirely his prerogative. But get your facts right, Paul. This is this is very funny. I think that's the least we should expect from the CEO of a newspaper chain. What I like about his response is that he addresses everything except the criticisms about the tablet. Yes. He fact-checks him on everything but yeah. the fact that the tablet is a huge <laughs> fiasco debacle. Which is fine. Like, I probably wouldn't acknowledge them either if I decided to start a tablet. I might have gone for the voice of like, there you go again, Paul. Okay, Paul. What do you think, Paul? That's just your voice, though. Really, Paul? Yeah, that's just your voice. Which of these saucy old bitches do you like in this fight? If you had to choose a winner. Oh, I choose uh, death. (laughs) Death? Yeah, I will throw throw myself into a body of water. Oh, rather than, yeah. Yeah, I'm not picking. This is not a fight where anyone's going to win. It's so stupid and delicious. What is revolting about this delicious fight is the degree of entitlement where obviously these guys still perceive it as their privilege as the honchos of these news organizations to use that space to take these pot shots at each other. Well, what I find really frustrating is that it's two guys who run newspapers who are both struggling fighting with each other instead of maybe talking about, like, what about a digital initiative? (laughs) Like, this bizarre. And Godfrey kind of did the same thing when my coworker at BuzzFeed called him. I think he called us the great organization known as BuzzFeed. And why some, would I talk to the great yeah, organization Yeah, like something BuzzFeed. very dismissive. And it's easy to say that about us, but also um, don't because that's going to bite you in the ass later. And it did because then, unfortunately, they had to lay off a bunch of people the next day. And he refused to talk to us about it. So, yeah. I mean, like, I'm not happy that these guys are running things because well, it, it and makes – We've made fun of him before about this, but the reason why BuzzFeed was calling him about that is because he mistakenly emailed a... Well, I think it was his is his AP. It wasn't him directly. It was, there was a AP forwarded, or... It was a forwarded email that got to the wrong person okay. that ended up at our colleague in the UK. Right. It was a similar name. Not similar the same name. to the mayor of Ottawa. Similar name to the mayor of Ottawa. Yes. Yeah. Right. I don't know how that happens, but I'm very happy it did. When a young man died in a hail of bullets fired by a Toronto police officer, it shocked the whole country. Sami Yatim's final moments were captured on video, and Constable James Forsilla was charged with second-degree murder. Today, though, a jury found him guilty of attempted murder. The jury likely accepted Forsillo's defense that he felt threatened by Yatim and needed to use lethal force. 
explaining the first volley of three shots, one of which fatally wounded Yatim. In this somewhat bizarre video defense lawyers presented in court, Fursillo tried to explain why he fired the second volley of six shots. And it looks like he's trying to get up. Still, the jury considered those six shots to be excessive, unjustified, and attempted murder. I don't really know where to begin with uh, with this. I don't know that we need a, a summary. I think everybody kind of knows yeah. the story of Sami Atim being shot to death on the streetcar on Dundas Street. I know some people were very upset with the verdict. I just was so sure that Priscilla was going to get off completely. I mean, that we've just seen the story again and again and how difficult it is to get a conviction when police kill people that I just felt like, oh, thank God something stuck. And then the second thing I thought was, Thank God for smartphone cameras. Had there not been people on the corner, corner, two or three people with their video cameras out, this whole thing would have been one cops and maybe other cops would have backed them up, maybe. Which they still are, to be clear. There's footage of cops like outside the courthouse shoving reporters to the ground because they're unhappy that they're reporting on their coworker. I mean, I was kind of surprised he got any punishment at all as well because I think we've seen this in the U.S. a lot in the last few years is that cops rarely get any sort of retribution when they kill people. Yeah. And this is like, this is clearly like a guy with some mental illness who... Forcillo? No, um, Sam, what? Why? We're having a nice conversation and then you have to ruin it. <laughs> I would even, I might go there, but okay, yeah, no, I don't think we're ever going to know what no. happened no, we in won't. Sami Yatim's but, but head at least, on But at that. least we have some idea of what is the difference between one shot and six. Yeah. Because six is a lot. And you can see him fall and you can see them continue. So after that initial kind of cognitive, like, what? Guilty of attempted murder? And yeah, like I, the, still the, don't, I still don't totally understand. The riddle of it. And, and actually, this is just a moment where, I mean, Jonathan Goldsby of Now Magazine, a month or two ago, actually wrote an explainer. And, the, you know, I, I thank God for cell phone cameras and thank God that the Crown has such great strategy because they introduced the attempted murder charge a year later. Mm. I think understanding that it's very hard for a jury to say to a cop who says, oh, yeah, he had a knife. I'm here to protect the public. I felt threatened. I have a right to, you know, that just never goes the way of convicting the cop of murder. But the second volley of shots, attempted murder, attempted murder. Well, why was it just an attempt? Oh, because he'd already been killed. Who had already killed him? Well, me. Well, so you murdered him. No, I, I, that wasn't murder. So, I mean, it's like a really, really bad Laurel and Hardy thing, but something stuck. And just, I don't really have much to say except for like, isn't it sad that this is what we have to say, but people, citizens of Canada, if you see cops doing anything, film them. Yeah, I mean, I think also if you see cops doing anything to a non-white person, film them. That's the bigger piece, I think, of it that I would take away. I don't know if the same thing would have happened if it was like this white kid. Yeah. I honestly don't think it would have. I think they would have just tried to arrest him. The tragedy of this just keeps coming back to like, you didn't need to kill that kid. Yeah. and There's I mean, just I, no need. And I think for people who live here, it's a really stark reminder that we don't have the superiority complex we like to have when we look at American politics and American social structures. We don't. We don't have any superiority over it. We're just maybe a little quieter about it because we're polite, but like we don't actually have this high ground to stand from and look down on everybody and say, well, this isn't happening here. Of course it's happening here. I just want to touch on something else. Just not that I have anything to contribute, but I just feel like to not mention Laloche this week would be bizarre. I don't know that there's much of a media angle. Some people have suggested, oh, well, the lack of local coverage. This is a very small remote community. I don't know what level of coverage we could have expected. I didn't see anything in the coverage of those shootings that 
betrayed much racial bias. I didn't, I didn't have much of a do critique. We, do we know anything about the kid? Because all I saw was that he's underage, so we can't. They can't report on his. That's name, almost but. the. That is the media angle to me. Is that if this had happened in another country like the states, I think we would have had a bit more of a media circus and a lot of like trolling of social media, and his identity would become part of the public record, and people would have microphones and cameras shoved in their faces. This is an instance where I think the fact that we don't name y- y- young offenders was probably a good thing. Yeah. But beyond that, like, what do you say about that? But. I don't think there's anything to say. Friday, Gregory Allen Elliott was cleared after being accused of criminally harassing Stephanie Guthrie and Heather Riley on Twitter. At the end of it all, the judge says he did not believe that Elliott's threats were threatening. And he says that he believes the complainant's fears came from their own perception that the tweets were threatening. Uh, He also said the Crown was not able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Elliot had any knowledge or was fully aware that his tweets were being perceived as threatening. Saatchi, this is a difficult story to summarize. I don't know if you begin with Anita Sarkeesian. I don't know where you begin. I think you begin at the dawn of time (laughs) when when man first tries to drag a woman into his cave. I'm going to give this a shot, and I want you to step in if you feel like I'm glossing over. I mean, I'm going to have to gloss over just to get this done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I will start with Anita Sarkeesian, a feminist analyst, talker, thinker, video maker who did a series of videos about sexism in video games. This resulted in a pile on awful people basically shouting her down for her crowdfunding attempt to try to get money, which had a Streisand effect of actually drawing people. Shouting her her down is a kind of a generous. They were trying to dox her and harass her online. They did harass her online. Well, they were threatening threatening her her online. They were were trying to threaten her physically as well. Yes. So it wasn't just like, I disagree with you. It's I hope you are murdered and raped in a ditch. And I think the scale of that pile on needs to be like, it was a massive. um, But one of her nasty detractors was a guy who turned out to be named Bendelin Spur, a uh, Canadian boy who made a disgusting Anita Sarkeesian punch her in the face until she's a bloody pulp game. So Steph Guthrie, who is a friend of yours, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would know her well enough to call her a friend. I'm friendly with Steph. She knows everybody in the city, to be fair. You'd be hard-pressed to find somebody in Toronto who does not know Steph. So my disclosure is I like Steph. Steph did a video where we talked about a anti-cyber bully bill, which we both felt was an infringement on people's freedom of expression. I'm friends with her socially, and then I do an event called Drunk Feminist Films with her, so I do some work stuff with her as well. So Steph is a local feminist and activist and and is very vocal on platforms like Twitter. She was. Yes. And so she... She said, I figured out who the maker of this game is, and I think I'm going to paraphrase her approach. What he did to Anita Sarkeesian in making this this game has had real-life implications on her, and she has to feel uh, afraid wherever she goes. I think that what he did should have real-life implications for him, which was not, let's go beat the shit out of him. It was simply, hey, everybody who lives in his community, anybody who might employ him, you should know the simple fact that he made a face-punching game because he didn't like this woman's feminist message. And she said, I'm going to sick the internet on him in that context. And that resulted in a online feud with this guy who named Gregory Allen Elliott. I will back up with some context on Gregory Allen Elliott, and I will just stick to the facts, I believe. Gregory Allen Elliott is a middle-aged guy, father of four, divorced dad kind of guy, who basically presented himself to Steph as an ally who offered to help make a poster for her feminist uh, event and met up with her for dinner, but struck her as creepy in their ensuing conversation. 
offered her a ride to the airport, offered to drop by her house with a bottle of booze, asked her to stay with him overnight in a mansion up north, and uh, ultimately creeped her out. She, for a bunch of reasons, did not want the poster to be made. And he turned on her and became a very vocal critic of her politics online in rather rude tones and, and many tweets after she had blocked him. To her and to her community, used the words cunts, bitches, uh, referred to her shit music. One of her colleagues, uh, Heather Riley, kept referring to her fat ass. So crude sexual kind of put downs like that. Didn't stop after he'd been blocked, but was engaged in a supposedly issue-based debate criticizing her positions. And when I read this, now I'm switching from a statement of fact to just my impression, it struck me as a very old tale of a guy who got spurned, turned down, and then became a dickhead under the guise of, oh, this is just a debate about issues, when in fact it was clear to me that there was something very personal and entitled about the way this guy felt like, well, now you're my enemy. But basically became, you know, espousing a lot of men's rights activist kind of messages. Did I get this right? Yeah, I think generally that's correct. Okay. So at some point, Steph felt unsafe that she'd blocked this guy. She's trying to get away from him. They both did, I think. think Steph and Heather felt unsafe and they complained to the cops and the Crown decided to press charges. So for three years... The condition of Gregory Allen Elliott's bail was that he stay off the internet and not communicate on social media for three years pending the trial. The trial just concluded and he was found not guilty of criminal harassment. Yep. And you've written about this. I did. I wrote a piece for BuzzFeed about it this week. What'd you have to say? I think there's an impression from a lot of people that the reason why women like Steph and Heather made a complaint is because they are dramatic and they are incapable of listening to people disagree with them on the internet. And so it is then very easy to throw out the harassment card because people are afraid of that. So it's easy for them to say, this person's harassing me. But I think what people miss when they say that is the nuance that when you're a female, your existence is threatened merely by being. So when women like Steph or Heather or myself, and I can only really speak to my experience because I haven't talked to Steph or Heather about this very much, I don't know Heather, but um, when we're out <laughs> out and about, we are harassed daily in small and sometimes very big ways. And all of that behavior replicates itself online. So when they make a complaint, it's because all of this is so familiar and scary. And what looks to maybe an outside viewer as, well, he's just disagreeing with her, to us might feel really intrusive. So I had a guy the other day yelling at me because he didn't like what I was saying about Steph and about Gregory, specifically didn't like what I was saying about Elliot. And he started to tweet my IP address to his followers because he wanted them to find me. Now, the IP address was incorrect. (laughs) He thinks I'm in Michigan. But the point is, he was trying to find my location. Now, that's not a direct threat of saying, I'm going to beat the shit out of you, but it's scary. And I don't know what's different about that Then when I walk home and a guy on a corner who's been drinking all night sees me and walks behind me trying to find where I live, what's the difference? To me, there is very little, if any difference. Exactly. And so that's what gets lost when we talk about the when when specifically 
men's rights activists talk about this is they lose that nuance of it feels the same. And I would argue that online it almost feels worse because it can be so hard to be like, are you fucking looking at this? And then what ends up happening is the people who do it notice that they're going to get caught. They start deleting their tweets. They start opening new accounts. If you block them, they'll create new accounts. There's something that some users are doing where if you have a private account or if you've blocked someone, they'll start a new one and follow you. And then they will copy and paste all their tweets into their feed uh-huh. so that other people can see what you're tweeting if you've blocked them. So there's always ways around, you know, whatever Twitter's put in place to try to protect you. They're weak. They don't work. When I reported that guy for trying to find my IP address, Twitter said that it wasn't in violation. Right. They told me that that wasn't the case. Another guy sent me a tweet saying that I should kill myself. That also was not in violation of their code of conduct. So what is? So what is your recourse? Cops. That's your recourse because the company, which is I think um, Seb Fox Allen on Twitter said this better than I can, which is that you like you can't go into like a, a McDonald's and just start yelling cunt over and over. They won't let you. But Twitter allows this unbelievable <laughs> level of quote unquote free speech, which is hate speech in a lot of cases. No one's going to ban you or flag you if you've got differing political opinions. You can tweet to me and say that you disagree with me about my opinions on Gregory Allen. But if you tweet to me and say that you hope that I give birth to a stillborn, which is a tweet I've gotten, that's about a bridge too far. So this is one of the major misconceptions that all the people who've been piling on Steph have is that this was about her not tolerating Gregory Allen Elliott disagreeing with her. Yeah. and I don't don't think Steph could care less about what... (laughs) Gregory Allen Elliott agrees or disagrees with. We have a problem right now, and it's everybody's problem. And the problem is, is that women cannot be a part of the public conversation in just about any way, expressing opinions on movies and video games or reporting the news without having to face, almost as a guarantee, threats, harassment, sexual threats. Yeah, well, right? we never have been. It and, happens in every platform. The only difference is now that you can track it. I can show you what it is until they delete it. So this is a problem. Yeah. And you say, what is the recourse? Well, the cops. And that is where I think maybe you and I are going to disagree. Mm. I think that we absolutely have laws in place if somebody makes a criminal threat, a sexual threat. I agree with those laws. And this case is so bizarre because if you want to find a actual death threat against Steph Guthrie from an MRA asshole or for a, from a Gamergate asshole, though many of them have been deleted, they exist. I saw a lot oh, of them yeah. pile up underneath my video with Steph mm-hmm. on YouTube. Yeah. Tons of people have threatened her life. And to these people, oh, toughen up. You want to be part of an argument. You know, this is just about disagreement. You have no clue what you're talking about. I have felt when I have incited a lot of controversy and people felt that I did my job poorly or felt that I being a jerk, I've gotten piled on. And I walk down the street afterwards and I feel kind of vulnerable and exposed, but I'm only exposed to humiliation. It's nothing like when there are dozens or hundreds or thousands of people making really, really harassing, threatening comments, some of which at the extreme actually are criminal death threats and, and rape threats. And then you've got to go live your life. We just posted a job for a host for a new podcast. And a young woman said, I would apply for this job, but yeah, as if I'm going to opine about arts and culture every week, I can't take that, the results of that. So we, everybody has a problem when women are threatened that way. And when the discourse online is as toxic as it has become, it's not a feminist problem only. It is everybody's problem. But when it's shy of death threats and and sexual uh, assault threats and actual actual threats of, of violence, 
I don't know that the ruling is wrong. And I got to tell you, Saatchi, I have a real problem with the fact that in order to be a free person out on bail, who was at that point only accused of criminal harassment, Gregory Allen Elliott was barred from using the internet for three years. <laughs> for me, that costs me my livelihood and my business, if that were to ever happen to me. There are people who consider themselves yeah, harassed Jesse, by me. If you're, if you're sending women tweets calling them cunts, you should not have the internet for three years. I will not feel bad for you. That is such a minor price to pay. Steph, for example, has not been able to use Twitter for the last few weeks. She hasn't gone on, I think, in like 50 days. Because if she goes on, there are 400 people who want her head. So, no, I don't give a shit that Gregory Allen couldn't go use Shockwave. Like, who gives a shit? Would you give a shit if when Steph sicked the internet on Bendelin Spur, she had been accused of harassment, which she very well might have been. But did the internet target him based off of his race or his gender? Did the internet target him off of things that are unavoidable? Because the internet targets women, and particularly women of color and people of color, because of their existence. That's the difference. Nobody targeted Ben because he existed. They targeted Ben because he made a fucked up video game. And people were mad as hell because he was targeting another woman because she existed and dared to say something. That's the difference. No, the the people who targeted Steph for sicking the internet on Bendelin Spur were targeting her because they considered that to be an extreme act of vigilante justice. By the way, you ask what the recourse should be to this kind of speech and Mm -hmm. harassment on the internet? I support Steph Guthrie doxing Bendelin Spur 100%. That is appropriate recourse. Freedom of expression is not f- no, does not mean... No, it's not. It's not appropriate because it could come back and bite you in the ass if you do that. That's what you're missing, is that Let- if she does that, what happens if some other asshole who's on his side finds where she lives, who her partner is, who her friends are, where her family is? I would not want to get involved in that. I could do that with plenty of the people who yell at me every day, but I choose not to because I have a family. I had to shut down my Instagram account because people started to take photos of my niece from it and talk about the fact that she was biracial and that meant that we were self-loathing. I had to shut down, let me just say it again, my account because people were going after my five-year-old niece. So no, the recourse is not going after someone and doxing them because who the fuck knows what you're going to get back. The reason why you go to the cops is because it's gotten to a point where you have no other choice. So with Gregory Allen, the issue was that they blocked him, but he continued to talk about them. And I think the thing that may have pushed over the edge was that he was talking about how both women tended to go to a particular bar in Toronto. When he tweeted it, they were there. That's Terrifying. Yeah. That's scary. I've gone through as best I can the, the record of tweets, and I think that the judge did not err in saying that. By the way, the judge said they were harassed. Yeah, and he said that he didn't believe that they were lying. The difference is that he just doesn't believe that there, I guess, was enough evidence or didn't think that Gregory knew that they were being harassed. But the thing is, is that if someone blocks you on Twitter, how dumb do you have to be to not realize that they don't want to hear from you and they don't want you talking about them? Look, Heather Malik's blocked me on Twitter. Certainly. But do you and send, I'm going to talk but about do you send Heather? Do you talk about Heather in terms of like that she's a cunt or she's a bitch? Do you talk about where she goes? No. You talk about the shit that she does. If Steph or Heather had produced something and released it. For example, if we had done a a Drunk Feminist Films video and she was in it and he talked about it, fine. But that's not what he was doing. He was attacking her for being a human that he disagreed with, but he was attacking her. That's the difference. And it is a criticism that, I hate to throw this out there, but as a white straight dude, you will never get. You will never get those messages. And I can't explain them enough to you because I can't put you in my life. Let me clarify a couple things. First of all, I don't fault Steph 
an iota yeah. for going to the cops. And people say, oh, Steph, uh, she should be sued, all the MRA guys, that she should be sued, that she's sick of the cops. I'm pretty sure she suffered enough. Let me tell you something. So. If you are getting harassed, if somebody's pulling some kind of Cape Fear shit where they're like circling your house, you don't wait until they cross the line before going to the cops. The right. cops exist to protect you. As exactly. soon as you feel harassed, you call the cops. The Crown made the decision to lay yeah. the charges. Yeah. Okay? So I don't feel like she did anything wrong. What I'm arguing about is I want to talk with you about what, what the law should and should not say about what we are allowed to say on the internet and what we're not allowed to say on the internet. I am pretty much a freedom of speech absolutist up to the point of threats. I actually don't even have a problem with hate speech. I think we deal <laughs> we deal with bad speech in the public discourse, right? So when you say freedom of expression, a lot of these MRA jerks think that that means freedom from consequences of your expression. No, it just means that the cops should not be policing our language unless we, we walk over. The cops over. aren't policing your language. They're policing safety. That's the right. difference. So we, we define that safety is impinged when somebody actually makes a criminal threat. You and I speak in rude terms online all the time. We do it for our jobs. I'm sure the people that we've written about, both of us, feel really put upon. Yeah, yeah, sure. Right? I think in some cases, absolutely. And we want to be able to do that. But I don't think that I target people based off of race or gender or sexuality. If so people, is that the if distinction? If people block me, okay, end of conversation. Fine. I consider the public space a shared space where we decide what the culture is collectively. And men have been doing a shitty job of protecting our fellow citizens against egregious behavior. So if I were to walk down the street with a shirt that had a Confederate flag on it or that said, like, uh, no fat chicks. <laughs> Which right? you can, to you be You can clear. do that. But your office might say, not appropriate. So we agree, right? I don't think the cop should throw you. That's going to make people That's feel... That's not what happened. I'm not talking about what happened. I'm talking about what should happen. So we have, in physical space, standards about... If you walk down the street with a no fat chick shirt on, I hope that people- Why is that your example? Give me another one. Confederate flag. Yeah, use that one. This okay. No fat chick shirt. What year are you from? That is just like a, a, a Simpsons joke from 1988. I can't think of a modern offensive t-shirt. That's because nobody wears them anymore. That's because community standards are enforced. Good. But not- Good. Do you want me to be sad that people aren't walking around waving the Confederate flag? No, stop yelling and I'll tell you why we agree. No. I want there to be the same standards online. Okay. I think that if somebody starts t calling in a debate about video games or about feminism, if you start calling people cunt, I actually believe a lot of these guys when they say, I didn't think I was harassing her. They actually just think they're being like rude and yeah, funny. They, think they're being they actually funny. don't so, realize. That, that... So it's up to the rest of us and it's up to men as well to shout them down, humiliate them ostracize them the way that you would somebody in a Confederate flag t-shirt. Sure, and that does happen. Not enough. Yes, I'm getting to that, dear. I'm getting to that part of my sentence. Not enough. But that doesn't always work. I've had plenty of men try to help. It doesn't always do anything. It can often make things worse because then when men get involved and they start yelling, then one of those dum-dums will start yelling white knight and then they'll go after me harder because they think that I have a troop. Like I have minions that I can be like, go attack this man. I can't do that. I'm not very powerful. I'm five foot five. I like to stay at home in the dark and I don't want to go outside. I don't have like an army of people that I will send, but they will think that. It's not always effective. I mean, I get where you're coming from, but yeah. I do think that your perspective is inevitably rather narrow because you will never have this happen to you directly. You won't. No, but but my role in it is to consider the safety of women 
my responsibility yeah, you should, as well. You should say more stuff. Yeah. Always. And it, and, it, and it won't always work and it's not always going to be effective and the public space is messy. I think it's going to be more effective than the courts in cases like this. Yeah, I think we're seeing that, but that's depressing. It should not be more effective than the courts. But you know what? Women can't rely on the courts in a lot of cases. You see that when women have the bravery to go forward with a rape case. Oh, yeah. You see that happen a lot. So this isn't, I'm not necessarily surprised, but I'm depressed about it. When people want to use their freedom of expression and push it to extremes the way that Bendel and Spur did, I hope that Steph Guthrie and people like her have the bravery to bring that fight to his real life in ways within the boundaries of the law, making people in his life know what kind of person he is in a, in a public space. I think that's totally on. I think she should have had more support from men. We need to figure out how we do that or versions of that every time this happens. I'm so glad you were here to explain this to me. Oh, shit. I can't win. <laughs> uh. Sachi Cole. Yep. Thank you very much. You're welcome. That was terrible. That was your Candidaland show. I do hope you enjoyed it. You can reach me always at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read them all and I respond when I can. And we are on Twitter at Canadaland. Yeah, you should really send some like aggressive mentions to Canadaland. I'm sure Jesse would love to read them. Sachi, where can all of your admirers find you on Twitter? You can send love letters to Sachi, S-C-A-A-C-H-I on Twitter. Our website is at canadalandshow.com. The crowdfunding site is at patreon.com slash canadaland. Go to our website now. I, I didn't announce this on the show, but we put out a transparency report for 2015 that will tell you all of the stories we broke and what we're doing with your money. Our salaries are listed in it. It's uh, our attempt to let people who fund the show know what we're doing with your support. And that's at CanadaLandShow.com. The next episode of CanadaLand will be up on Monday. The next episode of CanadaLand Commons will be up on Tuesday. If you like this show, please support it. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about CanadaLand and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.